0: Dawn and Steve welcome Travis Thompson to the studio to talk about his new podcast, Bold Lines, and is mental health being incorrectly treated and talked about? Join the conversation at 800-555-7898. Well, it's always good to define terms, even on a cold, snowy morning, and defining terms when it comes to mental health and what is an addiction and what isn't an addiction. Travis Thompson, you've been great to help us do have this conversation in the past, so we're glad you're able to join again. And I would say good morning because I'm still a little slow on the uptake this morning. How are you?
1: I'm doing well myself. I may have thrown in an extra shot of espresso this morning.
2: (laughs) No judgment here.
0: No, no. It's just that you didn't share. I think that might be my only judgment. You've come out with a new podcast, Bold Lines. I want to know why this title.
1: So I really love speaking very honestly with my clients some call it abrupt. Every once in a while, I've been accused of being abrasive. But, you know, that's all in the past. Um, I also really love tattoos. And so I just put those two ideas together and came up with the name for the podcast.
2: All right. Where does the uh, tattoo love come from?
1: Part of me is still 16 years old, quite okay. honestly. <laughs> um, but all of my tattoos are actually biblical references. And so it kind of tells the story of the gospel and uh, God over time. So.
0: I find that funny, though. I mean, because knowing you and knowing that you can confess that, I mean, you're almost done with your PhD and you're saying part of you is still 16 years old. But that's kind of relevant to the conversation, isn't it? To anybody that we kind of all have maybe this throwback in us and we may have learned to mask it well, cover it well, and yet it's still seeps out every now and then that we have an age that we're still living out. What is that about the way God made us and our psyche that we could say, yeah, I I still do kind of live like I'm 16 sometimes?
1: Sure. This is a lot of what I talk about in clients where we have these markers in our lives when we realize the world wasn't safe and we realized that we had to protect ourselves And those two ages tend to come up a lot in therapy. People will react in that sort of way. And it tells us a lot of what clients are experiencing and what they're looking for in those moments.
2: So how does that kind of typically manifest itself? Or how do you figure out, okay, that is what we're dealing with, and we need to go back and look for those markers, I think you called them?
1: It's really easy to tell because you just start listening to how old someone sounds according to their logic or their emotional expression. I know my 16 years old is very rebellious and tends to run his mouth now and again. And so I've realized that I'm protecting myself when I act that way and I'm also right. So that part helps. (laughs) Is that the 16 year old in you
0: coming out or is that the training (laughs) in you? Well, I
1: I can't admit to that necessarily, but possibly. (laughs)
0: Uh, I think this is fascinating, though. If you think about your own life, if you start talking to someone about it, you probably do have this point of reference that you're going to go back to. And when you talk about these markers, Travis, what, what could constitute a marker?
1: So in people's lives, in actually every client that I've ever worked with, there's a point in their lives where they considered maybe this world isn't safe. And that's when I really dig in with people because that's the hurt child that we all have when we realize this world wasn't all amazing. And before I'm able to get to that, I get to the older protective part of ourselves, the one that most shows out when we feel unsafe. And so I make peace with the older one that protects, and then I help work with and show that the world can be okay to the younger part of ourselves that's still hurt.
2: All right. So- I'm still kind of trying to picture this older one. I get we've been hurt at a certain age, and so maybe we go back there, and that that stuff comes out. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the older person that's trying to protect, help me understand that concept a little better.
1: Sure. So I'll use my own life for this because this is what I do with my clients. Uh, When I was much, much younger, probably around like eight years old, one of my biggest fears was being deficient or not good enough. And so that manifested for a while until it was unbearable, up until like 15 or 16. And then I realized the way I could protect myself is by being maybe a little loud, a little overbearing, and just kind of talking people into a corner. And so when I'm feeling threatened, that tends to be what I go with. But if we break down that 15, 16-year-old, you still get to that 8-year-old who's worried about being good enough.
0: Mm, that okay. makes good makes sense. sense. And then, okay, spiritually speaking, because I know you said even in your tattoo world that it's telling the story of the gospel, spiritually speaking, how, how do you reconcile that? Because we know that none of us are good enough. And yet we do have this human side that says, I'm going to try. I'm going to really, really try. How do you reconcile those two things?
1: It's actually pretty simple. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And so when I work with people and utilize the gospel, yeah, that's what we do. We get to that youngest part of ourselves, and we bring that to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, everything starts to make sense.
2: Travis Thompson is with us, and uh, we're going to pick back up on that concept right there in just a few moments. He has uh, written books. He has a podcast in, called Bold Lines, the book to those left behind. And if you've got a question or comment this morning, certainly welcome you to uh, text that in, 800 800- 555 7898, 800 555 7898. We'll be back with Travis coming up in a few minutes. Don Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. Travis Thompson with us, licensed marriage and family therapist and a host of a podcast entitled Bold Lines. And Travis, just before the break, you had talked about the fact that as you work with people, you go back and you find mm-hmm. those key markers in their lives where they realized life was not safe um sometimes that maybe came from you know the hand of trauma in some way they they experienced that and you just said then you got to take that person however old they were they, let's say they were 8 you got to take that 8 year old person to the cross what does that look like when it, when you say we're going to bring those wounds and that hurt and whatever to the cross when somebody's 40 50 60 years old and you're trying to bring 8 year old them to the cross I, Go go a little deeper with that, if you would.
1: I first break down what that protective part is. I make peace with that older part to help that person realize that they don't have to be protective, at least in the office. And when I get to that younger part, this is where the session turns from inquisitive into an experience of sacred ground, where we stop and we let that younger part of themselves breathe and sit there and We let that hurt child start to walk around and ask questions and test me, test the world. And when they can do that and the clients can start to open up about what they're really concerned about, what's underlying with everything, I don't shove them to the foot of the cross. I don't think that's how Jesus did it either. Um, But I simply walk them closer and closer until they start to get comfortable and then they're allowed well, they allow themselves to hear what the word says, because most children are really open to it. We just protect ourselves and push away over time. So when they're vulnerable and they've slowed down and all of the debris is out of the way, that's when you introduce truth and you, you sit with them in it.
0: Mm, that That's a powerful thing, to sit with somebody in truth Mm. and to allow that and you know that's something Travis that we don't practice not I mean I'm not saying we don't sit in truth but if we have skipped this part if we're still eight years old or 16 or Mm. wherever Mm. we are sometimes I think it's even later like it could be in your 20s where something happened but wherever that that crucial point is and we've covered it up with layers. Let's say we're fifty and it happened we were twenty. We've mm-hmm. covered up with layers and layers of coping, of going on and living, uncovering those layers that that process is it is it talking through it? Is it discovering it? How do you get through there?
1: I've started to to develop an ear over the years, and it I start to push clients more and more. And their level of emotional maturity will pop out over time. And once you push clients to a certain point, they'll start to sound that certain age. And because of the practice, it actually doesn't take me super long to figure out a range in which it is. And once we find that range, then we start working back to what they're using to protect themselves. And from there, I mean, I've had. Twenty-year-olds, thirty-year-olds, sixty-year-olds—that once they're pushed, all of a sudden they start sounding a whole lot younger than they actually are.
2: Hmm. Fascinating how you know you've been able to do this and work, you know, and, and figure that out. Now, as we talk about this and as we talk about you know those wounds, uh, you know, Don, you you just mentioned we tend to find all these different types of coping mechanisms, and mm. as you go back and you address the wounding that happened at that younger age mm-hmm. do a lot of these coping mechanisms in a sense take care of themselves do you have to figure out ways to then you know retrain thinking what What does that look like
1: i think most people do want to grow up i think they get stopped along the way and addiction is a great example of this where anytime i work with an addict. They're either always a teenager or much, much younger, where it's very immediate gratification focused and being unable to sit in discomfort. And so when I do work backwards with clients like that, it becomes very apparent, no matter where they're at.
0: It becomes apparent that they're they're stuck? Is that? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And, and then the addiction comes out of that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so every single time I've worked with addiction, you come back and see a younger part that was very, very hurt. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean trauma. It can certainly, but it's this point when we came to understand that the world around us isn't safe. So, especially things like addiction, even And I talk about this in the most recent episode, even points of depression or anxiety. Some of it is neurological, and I admit that. But sometimes there's these points in our lives where when we're much younger, we realize that we had to protect ourselves. That's where anxiety comes from. Or maybe we gave up and got into a little bit of despair, and so that's where some people's depression can come from as well.
2: Travis Thompson with us as we talk about these ideas and concepts, and maybe you've got a question or comment, certainly feel free to weigh in this morning, 800-555-7898. That is 800-555-7898. And if you want to check out that podcast that he referenced just a moment ago, it is Bold Lines. His book is entitled To Those Left Behind. Don Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio.
0: Travis Thompson joining us today. He's a Ph.D. candidate and the author of Two Those Left Behind, as well as a brand new podcast, three episodes in, called Bold lines. Now, I don't want my southern to get in the way. L-I-N-E-S, bold lines, the name of this podcast. And Travis, we've been talking about relationships and being younger. And oftentimes we, at a certain point in our life, are figuring out the world is not a safe place. And and what do we do with that if we find ourselves in our mid-50s and we have things that we're using to cope. Uh, I want to get to Kathy, your question here in just a moment. But first, can we define what addictions are and how that kind of relates to what we're talking about as we go back into our childhood?
1: A lot of people like to throw out that they're addicted to something. Sometimes that's just A popular thing you can say. Uh, From the lens we're talking about, though, addiction would be this repeated behavior that soothes emotions for that younger self. And these can be very, very harmful. Sometimes they can pull us away or even sometimes be deadly. So when I define addiction from this younger part, it's this repeated behavior and this desperate attempt to try to make sense or gain some sort of control.
2: So when someone comes and they're exhibiting signs of addiction, you know, when that addiction could manifest any number of different ways, but when they do, is it kind of going back like we've been talking about and finding where that feeling of unsafeness come, came from? Is that when, you know, the, the practice that we've been talking about going back and finding that younger aged person, um, part of how healing from addiction may happen?
1: I think a lot of current treatments only deal with that protective part. So you can deal with the behaviors and you can help break those down. But yes, when you break those down and you go past the behavior management, you do get to that younger part and you do get to see what that kid really needs. Is it that they need to feel like they're heard and important? Is it that they need to feel like they're loved? Or that they're special and involved, and whatever else they're needing. Because when I work with people in addiction, they don't ever need the exact same thing, but all of those children need something. And once you find that out, the rest of the treatment is pretty straightforward. And of course, there's bumps along the way, but that's where people get most of their healing is in that younger hurt part of themselves.
0: Travis, as you talk about addictions and how they are responses to the Time in our lives when we figured out the world is not safe, and we're trying to comfort ourselves in that—that uh, that would seem to go against a popular definition that an addiction is a disease.
1: Okay, so you corrected your southern. I'm going to embrace it, honey. I'm so tired of hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> so tired of hearing that. Um, but here's the thing: is the end result, and I talk about this in my book, the end result of disease. Models of addiction is basically we treat people as if they're terminal. Here's your medicine. Good luck. We hope you don't die too soon. And for me, I don't think that aligns with biblical values. And and I don't think the Bible or honestly any long term psychological work would support that. Well, it's just a behavior. Well, if it's just a behavior, how can I pray or come to a realization and the disease disappears? I've never heard of a disease that does that.
2: And so as you work with somebody and they come to you and say, but Travis, you know, I I have this disease, alcoholism, to, to take one that's probably pretty common. And you come back with, no, that's not a disease, that's a behavior. That's something that you have learned to use to cope. And they're like, yeah, but I, I do it because it, it is a disease. How, how do you, I guess, push back against a culture that mm-hmm. has taught people that it is a disease and therefore it is kind of excusable.
1: It's actually super easy. Find me the gene. Type okay. 1 diabetes, we can find the gene. It, it's there. If for something like schizophrenia, we're getting much closer on the gene and we can also see the brain patterns. There's no gene for addiction. We just define it that way because we've been sitting in this medical model for so long. Mm-hmm.
0: And conditioning ourselves. To me, it's much easier and palatable to say I have a disease as opposed to I have an addiction. That is a choice that I make because I'm trying to comfort myself from something or some One, maybe it was a person that Mm -hmm. uh, caused our world to be unsafe. But how important is it for that distinction? I mean, really, is it just semantics or is there something that's really important if we're going to tackle the addiction?
1: The alternative to working on this stuff and realizing that there's a hurt child desperately trying to make sense of things and feel safe is good luck taking medicine for the rest of your life. And you're going to feel behind, and it's not actually going to deal with the deeper issues. You've just soothed over or paved over the protective part, praying that the younger part of yourself doesn't show up in another way. Hmm.
2: Well, as someone hears that this morning, and they may be saying, okay, if I'm going to be honest, I hear what you're saying, Travis, and it does kind of resonate with me. But, man, that is just this huge mental shift in thinking from what I have thought before, what do I do with this? I mean, what are next steps for the person who says, "What, Travis, what you're saying is making sense, but where do I go from here?
1: A big part of this is identifying even what it is. And it's part of the reason that I'm doing this podcast is to give people the ability to think through things without having to go into therapy. Now, therapy is amazing and help you get a lot of personal insight, but starting to pay attention to patterns and the ways that you show up and being honest and vulnerable with the people that care about you actually goes a long way. I have an episode even coming out here in a couple of weeks about when to quit therapy. Because sometimes people use things like that to avoid their issues instead of loving people around them.
2: Travis Thompson with us. The uh, podcast that he was just talking about, it is called Bold Lines and has written the book entitled To Those Left Behind. If you got a question or comment, feel free to text in 800-555-7898. We've got more conversation with Travis coming up in a few minutes. It's Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. Travis Thompson joining us this morning, and if you've got a question or comment this morning, 800-555-7898, like you just heard Briggs say. Travis, question uh, from Idaho this morning asking, how do you help a loved one? You're watching this loved one. They're dealing with trauma and addiction and maybe even more trauma than addiction. How can you help and encourage that person who is wrestling with that addictive behavior because of trauma?
1: So you make sense of the neurological patterns that have been created through addiction. We can see it in brain scans. It becomes less and less easy to make a change over time. But as you break those things down and you embrace that younger child and you teach them that the world can be safe, it's like magic almost. And it takes a lot of digging and it takes a lot of pushback, but you end up getting to that part that really needs to be heard and they end up jumping on it. And if you haven't gotten there yet, there's probably a protective factor that's keeping you away. It might not be your job to push through it, um, but if you know it, you might be able to make even just a small difference.
0: It's interesting that about the neurological changes I immediately thought of the phones in our hand and how we have rewired our brains but that's for another day because Sabrina you have a question <laughs> about uh, the addiction when someone says it's I, I'm not an alcoholic necessarily by addiction but there is a demon that is in the mix what would you how would you address that Travis
1: Can there be a demon? Yes. Do we need their help? No.
0: We can do bad (laughs) all by ourselves.
1: uh, Yeah, Yeah. we, we don't always have to blame the devil. We can do plenty on our own, too. So can there be spiritual? Of course there can be. Also, I've seen plenty of people do it on their own, too.
2: For the person who says, okay, I recognize the fact that I have this addictive behavior, but I'm not quite sure how to begin to go back and unpack and pull back some of those layers so I can get to that inner child that was wounded. Uh, What type of counselor, therapist uh, type of thing would you encourage them to be looking for?
1: The first thing would be to get medically stable. Because if you're in a a very intensive addiction, that hurt child isn't going to come out when their body and their brain is telling them dangers everywhere. So the first thing to do is get medically stable. I love the use of attachment theory. It's in the past book that I've written, where you can find out what helps you feel safe and connected and where the world makes sense. So someone who specializes in attachment theory is my favorite and some family of origin stuff. Not that you make your parents evil or superheroes, but learning where you fit and where you developed over time is incredibly helpful. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Both of those things, very valuable. And Kathy, let me get your question to Travis about growing up and you were listening to someone say, if infants can't figure out how to kind of self-soothe or pacify themselves, that they may not be able to cope with some things as they grow. Is it important that from an early age, parents are teaching kids how to kind of self-soothe?
1: Now, that's where it gets really tricky because everybody's version of that is a little bit different. However, we can trend towards the positive over time with loving reinforcement. But absolutely, those things can harm us. If we learn that the world isn't safe and we couldn't trust people, of course, that puts us at risk for so many things later on in our lives. We're not doomed to those things, but we certainly are at a greater risk.
2: Travis Thompson with us this morning as we are talking about addiction and talking about some of the trauma that we have been facing. And maybe you want to get more about this. We want to encourage you to go check out uh, his podcast. It is entitled Bold Lines. You can subscribe to that, written the book to those left behind. You might find that uh, super, super helpful as well. But, Travis, so appreciate you joining us this morning on this Martin Luther King Day. Hope that uh, you can stay dry. Don't have to shovel too much snow this morning. Uh, Again, if you want to find out more about Travis, certainly would love for you to connect through our Facebook page, Don and Steve in the Morning.